Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, canola seeded into cool, over wet, or over dry soil can be slow to emerge and slow to grow. And that can put seedlings at higher risk of flea beetle damage. Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Keith Gabbert says farmers need to prepare seed beds as well as possible to help the crop outgrow its susceptible stage quickly. And while seed treatments usually provide effective protection past the riskiest cotyledon stage and a bit longer, farmers should have a plan in case fields suffer heavy flea beetle pressure. Protein Industries Canada played a role in setting up a food science diploma and chemical technology diploma at Assiniboine Community College at Brandon, Manitoba. PIC CEO Bill Gruel says the goal is to ensure an adequate workforce for the evolving plant processing and food manufacturing sector, especially with the newly opened Roquette plant in Manitoba. After the break, Keith Gabbert. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Keith Gabbert is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. Keith, first of all, why is seeding the first line of defense when we're talking about controlling flea beetles? Flea beetles have one generation a year. They come and wake up in spring and they're hungry. So they're looking for canola or canola relative to eat. The adults are actively flying around as soon as it warms up, sometime about 14 or 15 degrees, and they're looking for your canola crop. So hopefully over the winter, you've given some thought to that and you've perhaps upgraded your seed treatment. That's one of the first options that we start to suggest to growers. But really thinking about how to do the best job of seeding is one of your first lines of defense against flea beetles. So would plant density be the main target you should be looking at when you're seeding? Well, I've rarely seen a field where the sole issue is the number of flea beetles have simply eaten the canola that's there. Often there's an emergence issue or there's a seeding rate issue or there's some reason that has made these plants either grow poorly, be few in number, or just be struggling in general. So sometimes it's simply seeding too deep or soil crusting or poor residue management from the fall before giving the seeder some difficulty. So it's one of those things that has a lot of different factors playing into it. And when I talk about making sure you scout for flea beetles so you know that's there, even more important is making sure you do the best job of seeding possible to sort of stack the deck in your favor. So have we been seeing seed treatments improving uh, what they do now, maybe that they didn't do a few years ago? So we do have a couple, uh, I'm going to say new options in the market. One of them is, I would say, new for 2022. There's a Buteo option from one of one of our seed suppliers. The Lumiderm Fortenza uh, enhanced flea beetle option, which adds some cutworm protection with a group 28 insecticide, also improves efficacy on striped flea beetles. So those are generally over and above the base treatment that's been on there for years. So we've had, I would say, good flea beetle protection. But good flea beetle protection isn't good enough when you have a lot of pressure. So growers uh, are still, each and every year, finding fields where, for perhaps for no reason of their own, they really do need to go in there and protect the plants that remain and the leaf tissue that's not eaten with a foliar insecticide. So almost regardless of what seed treatment insecticide you've got uh, on your seed, you're still going to need to look and make sure that you're not one of the unlucky few that uh, were blessed with too many flea beetles and not enough plants. What kind of flea beetle problem did we see last year? Uh, So many regions were experiencing drought. And so how serious were flea beetles in some locations? 
because again, that's one of those factors that just makes a bad situation that much worse. So we saw some really, really bad pressure in the Brandon, uh, Winnipeg, Southern Manitoba area where the crop just really wasn't growing. We had growers spray more than once, sometimes three times uh, with a foliar insecticide trying to protect that crop. Northeastern Saskatchewan had a, a bit of a hot spot, but you know, any field where you've got a low plant stand, whether it's soil crusting or, or for whatever reason, you've got just not enough plants, there's probably at a high risk of having a lot of flea beetle damage, particularly if the flea beetles have warmed up and started actively feeding and you just don't have that many cotyledons or first leaf there. You can get those plants to three or four leaves in three to four weeks, which rolls off my tongue really easily. But a three-leaf plant in three to four weeks is a pretty clear indication that you've got nice, uniform, rapid growth. And we don't often get that. So we try to do the best we can. Now, there are two types of flea beetles, striped and the crucifer. What are the differences between the two and uh, the type of damage that they cause? So no real difference in the damage that they cause. There's just some slight differences in the time that they emerge. So the striped flea beetle tends to come out a little earlier. But for all intents and purposes for a grower, there's really no difference between the two. Our base insecticide seed treatment historically has been a little less effective on striped flea beetles. So in some ways, perhaps we've been maybe tailoring the population towards more striped and we do a little poorer job of managing those. But a flea beetle is a flea beetle, and, and the important part is to go and make sure to check to see if, you know, a few bites on your canola is actually not a bad thing. It means that the flea beetles have ingested some of that seed treatment insecticide, and maybe it's working to give them a headache or make them sick or even kill them, make sure they're not a problem. But once they get past a few bites, it could be cutting into your crop. And, and the action threshold for flea beetles is one of the important things that a grower really needs to know is that 25% leaf damage or leaf removal, including looking at what the new growth is doing, if there's any feeding on any new growth or if there's any feeding on the stems, things that would tip your decision one way or the other. It's really critical for a grower to know, and I I, I like to joke the easiest way to get that 25% determined is to have somebody else do it for you because 10 or 15% damage actually looks pretty bad. And if you've got really, really warm conditions and and, uh, slow growth, flea beetles can probably take you from 25 to 50% defoliation where we likely start to see some some yield reduction after that point. So it's it's important to know what's going on, watch and see if you need to, to rely on a foliar insecticide over and above those seed treatment. The Canola Council of Canada certainly has a lot of information. Keith, uh, Canola Watch is also a good place to start. Yeah, so Canola Watch is a great reference. I put in a plug for growers that if they're not signed up for a weekly email from the Canola Council, it's weekly in the summer at least, they really should sign up for that. So, so great information there. Our canola encyclopedia on our website uh, is really good as well. And there's a uh, canola infographic that shows you 10, 25, 35, 50% damage with a, a nice sort of card-like appearance so that you can take a look at that and compare it to what's in your field. Thank you, Keith. Keith Gabbert is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. After the break, Bill Gruhl with Protein Industries Canada tells us about new educational programs training the next generation working in the plant-based food industry. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Protein Industries Canada's CEO Bill Gruhl is with us to share the news of a new food science diploma and chemical technology diploma being developed for Assiniboine Community College. Bill, why was it important to uh, create this partnership 
and uh, create these training programs? We made a joint announcement between Assiniboine Community College, which is a post-secondary institution in Brandon, Manitoba, and one of our major industry partners, Roquette. And what we're looking at is the creation of a new diploma program so that we can have more trained people entering the food processing workforce. You know, we looked at the growth of Canada's plant-based food sector, and we know that, you know, in the next 10 or 15 years, we're going to need at least 15,000 more people to join the workforce in these types of roles. So it's really critical that we have places like the Cinnaboyne Community College working with industry partners to make sure that we're training people for the jobs of tomorrow. Farmers always benefit because something like this makes sure that a plant like Roquette has the talent they need and that they can be operational and keep running. And so the more people that we have willing to work in these spaces, the more companies are going to want to invest in processing facilities like Roquette did in the, in the Portage of Prairie area. And, you know, that just creates new markets and new opportunities for the commodities that our, our farmers are growing. If we, we've done some work and we've looked at the growth of Canada's plant-based food sector out to 2035, and we think we need an additional 17,000 employees in the next 15 years to fill the new roles that will be created. It's important to note that also agri-food in Canada, it's the largest employment sector in the country today. People often think the automotive sector or the aerospace sector is a big employer, and they are, but agri-food is actually Canada's largest employer. What kind of a commitment are we looking at? How long are these programs for students that are interested? Yeah, they're, they're three-year programs, and so we won't see the first graduates from these programs in, for a couple of years. But doing this work in these large processing facilities like the one at Roquette, you know, you need some real technical skills. And so we'll make sure that we've got the people trained up. And, you know, we think this will be an ongoing program. And so once graduates start coming out three years from now, we'll have a new core hoc coming out every year after that. So the cost of the program overall is about $565,000. But that's really just the curriculum development. So this will be like any other post-secondary program where the students will have to have to pay a bit of a tuition fee as well. So our contribution was really just getting the program created, doing the curriculum development, and making sure that we had a good partner like Assiniboine Community College ready to deliver it. Roquette, as many of your listeners will know, is one of the world's largest ingredient manufacturers. They built a very large, actually the world's largest, wet fractionation facility in Portage of Prairie, Manitoba. And so they're really, they're really supportive of growing kind of the ecosystem here in Canada, making sure that we've got our organizations like Cinnaboyne Community College involved. They see a need for additional staff members to help run the facility, so they got very involved in the development of this. And it's always great to have an industry partner like this helping make sure that the curriculum and the program is relevant so that the graduates coming out the other end are ready to hit the ground running. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. The first class will graduate in 2026. It's time for the Agriculture News in Review for the week of May 9th, 2022. Canada's Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food met with other G7 Ag Ministers in Germany to discuss Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Marie-Claude Bebo said to reduce price volatility and fight global hunger, Canada will double its funding to the Agricultural Market Information System. 
Bibo said the G7 ministers agreed to continue to work towards sustainable and resilient agriculture and food systems globally. Canada's High Commissioner to the United Kingdom accused Vladimir Putin of depravity for denying hungry people in African countries and other developing nations access to grain from Ukraine. Ralph Goodale said that Russian troops had stopped grain exports from Ukraine. He said the Russians are also stealing farm supplies and equipment and blockading ports with deadly implications for African countries and other nations. Canadian poultry and egg producers have now lost more than 1.7 million farmed birds to a highly contagious strain of avian influenza. The latest numbers were released by Canadian Food Inspection Agency, which said the tally includes both birds that have died of the virus and birds that have been humanely euthanized to prevent the disease's spread. Alberta is the hardest-hit province, with over 900,000 birds dead and 23 farms affected. There are several factors that are leading to higher diesel prices, increased demand, inadequate oil supply, and reduced refining capacity. Patrick DeHaan with GasBuddy.com said diesel usage is inelastic in farming, ranching, and construction areas. That means consumption will remain stable even if prices rise. The number of farms in Canada decreased. The 2021 Census of Agriculture released this week said 189,874 farms were reported, a moderate decrease of 1.9% from 2016. Other data from the report showed farms classified as oilseed and grain continued to make up the largest proportion of farms in Canada, while canola remained the top crop in acreage in the country. AGCO, a manufacturer of agricultural equipment and supplies, said it was subject to a ransomware attack that impacted some of its production facilities. The company explained in a news release it was affected for several days and it would take several more to fully resume all services depending upon how quickly it was able to repair its systems. AGCO designs, manufactures and distributes agricultural machinery and precision ag technology. The Alberta government announced it would be providing $8.4 million to expand the number of spaces at the University of Calgary Veterinary School and $59 million over three years in capital spending. Alberta's vet workforce is short by an estimated 850 practitioners, while demand for service of large animals continues to grow. There are seven times more applicants than there are spaces available at school. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.